0: Welcome to the Saint Elias report where evil and heresy are exposed by the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ through sacred scripture and tradition of the one holy catholic and apostolic church I am your host and humble servant of God George Anthony of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that the words that I present on this podcast to our listeners be an inspiration to all who listen, that you help me present your gospel to the unfaithful, to convert them for the glorification of your kingdom, and to strengthen those who already believe, to go further and deeper into their faith, and those separated brethren that proclaim Christianity, but do not recognize the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church come to the understanding of the one truth, the seven sacraments, the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of all the books of the Bible, and the head of the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church as the holy pontiff, regardless of who sits in that seat, that this is a valid and licit and legal position given by Christ himself to St. Peter passed down through the ages to the church today. Lord, we further pray that the words that come out of my mouth be inspired only by the Holy Spirit and that you keep us free from error and heresy and anathema and that everything that is said here be well-intentioned, charitable and loving, not to say soft and nice and polite, but loving in the true sense of love for one's brother, that when correction is needed, correction be spoken. When hard love is needed, hard love be spoken. When practices require it, justice shall prevail. We ask these things through the intercession of your most blessed Virgin Mother, our Lady of Sorrows, through St. Joseph, the terror of demons and patron of the universal church, through St. Jude, your most beloved cousin and apostle, Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. It is the year of our Lord, 2024. And this podcast is long overdue. I apologize for the long delay, but I will be honest with you. We've had some minor tragedies and setbacks in my family. Um, And I will ask you if you could just take a moment whenever you have free to say a small prayer for the uplifting of myself and my family, a small Hail Mary and Our Father. I, I would, I would really appreciate that. Um, there's just been some things going on here in life that have set not my thought process back, or how I feel, or my even my ability to reach you, but have come obviously before this podcast. I need to take care of my family and the things that presented themselves before I can get to you. But I have not forgotten about you, ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters. You will always be on my heart and my mind. In fact, I've spoken about you not knowing who you exactly are with my friends and my colleagues that helped make this podcast, David Griffith and Victor Hermanson um, and others who inspire me to do this work. And I hope and pray that you will take the opportunity um, to reach out to me, whether, you're, whether you have questions, comments, or concerns. We have a very small listening audience. It's about 200 at any one given time um, from all areas of the world. And I will guarantee you, if you write to me, I will write back to you. Um, whether you have harsh words of criticism, whether you have words uh, of correction, in filial piety, I will respond to you. Um, I, I am open to anything you have to say. I am, will not be judgmental if it is, you know, not in accordance with my thought. But I also will have some uh, words to say to you with regards to my thought. And I, I encourage open dialogue. That's not to say I will be convinced, but I am open to dialogue, and I am open to basically being brothers and sisters. Not all of my friends are orthodoxly Catholic, as anyone can tell you. I have friends from all different uh, religions, uh, from all different nationalities across the world, from all different races, from all different sexual preferences, to be quite honest. But that does not skew my understanding and love of the Holy Gospel. My friendship with someone who opposes my religious view does not mean I am accepting of their lifestyle. Nor does it mean I will affirm them in their lifestyle or their life choices. My love for them requires that I preach to them. Preach is a big word. Uh, that that I, I, I give to them my understanding of the Holy Gospel and that everything that I do, my life be shaped by the Holy Gospel. So you can ask anyone who knows me in any state of life, uh, in any state of sinful life or, or, or holy life, that I give what I say I give. So if someone asks me, do you believe this relationship to be sinful? I will say yes, 100% and two times on Sunday. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, Just want to be clear. So I have no problem having conversation with anyone across the world of different viewpoints, of different religions, uh, of of different personality types. It is my pleasure and honor to speak with you or converse with you over email and possibly discord, uh, which I'm getting set up shortly so we can do that live. Um, I encourage you to send me email. I encourage you also to visit the website. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast for all those addresses and all those locations. They can also be found in every show note of every show. We'll tell you uh, about the website. The website is a conglomeration of daily, orthodoxly traditional Catholic news. It will tell you what's going on for that day, what's going on for that month um the email obviously will reach me directly and i will respond to you directly and if you have any questions comments or concerns you can you know either go through the website and email me there or you can email me directly now that that's all out of the way i just wanted to thank you for being very patient with me and understanding and i hope you will continue to tune in to this podcast i have a couple of things to explain and to do uh with regards to who i am what i believe I think most of you understand that, and unfortunately, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of folks who do not. So why am I saying this? What am I saying? So on Discord, which many of you may be familiar with and others are not, it's a chat platform. It, it is a platform where you have communities of people that get together and talk about uh, certain interests, certain groups, certain, uh, you know, certain things that they believe are relevant. Uh, you know, they have, they have like interests and, and, and things like that. Um, and they are private and usually have to be invited to them, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of groups that have many, many, many users, thousands and thousands of people who communicate. And I belonged, or I should say, I used to belong to many of the Many of the Catholic ones, the traditional Catholic ones. And that's where I would promote, and that's where I still promote, some of my podcasts. Unfortunately, in the Catholic world, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of infighting lately, in that people are having difference of opinions, and instead of talking, a lot of people are being canceled. And it's very unfortunate it's very unfortunate that this is happening um, because what what is happening is that the Catholics are going the way of the world in that they're starting to cancel others so if you oppose to my speech or my um, my point of view automatically you boot me from the server. long story short, I belong to a lot of groups, traditional Catholic where I thought my views were in line with other traditional Catholics however um it seems to be that there's different shades of us, so to speak. And that's okay, right? That's okay. But what should happen is constructive criticism, constructive dialogue, and constructive understanding. Now, what happened to me? So in these traditional groups, um, some of which I had permission to do and some of which I did not have permission to do, but thought it would be okay, was posting my podcast in, you know, there's a lot of these groups that have a section uh for videos and, and and podcasts and things of that nature. And I would just put, you know, I would just post my podcast up until my last podcast, this was completely okay. But my last podcast had, it, you know, some words in it like heresy, um, <laughs> that a lot of people did not take kindly to. And unfortunately, as opposed to listening to the podcast, to see if I was actually calling Pope Francis, the Holy Father, a heretic um, assumed that I was doing so and canceled me immediately. So I was removed from a bunch of uh, servers instantaneously. Only a few people communicated with me uh, in their either distaste or uncertainty with regards to what I was doing. So I'm going to take this opportunity for those who listen to my podcast and also, administer some of these, these places uh, in Discord, as well as uh, YouTube and Rumble and other platforms, what it is exactly that I believe and who exactly I am. Obviously, I'm not going to give you my address, but who exactly George Anthony is and what he believes. So, under no certain terms, let me say it clearly Pope Francis is the Holy Father. Legally, legitimately, spiritually, there is no question in my mind that he is our holy pontiff. He is the vicar of Christ. He sits in persona Christi in the chair of St. Peter. I don't know how much more clear I can be. I am not a Sedevacontist. I do not believe that some of you might be Sedevacontist out there. I do not doubt it. But I do not believe personally that Pope Francis, his given name, Jorge Bergoglio, is not the Pope. He is the Pope. Jorge Bergoglio is Pope Francis. He is the Holy Father. He sits legally, licitly, and spiritually in the seat of St. Peter. I don't know how much more clear I can be. So, once again... I believe the pope is legitimate. Okay? I love the Holy Father. As a matter of fact, I've been blessed. There's no other word. Blessed to have the blessing of two popes, one Pope John Saint Pope John Paul II give me his papal blessing and a bunch of other children in 19, I believe it was 1979 or 1980 when I was either one years old or under one years old, in his visit to Philadelphia. I was blessed. My saintly grandmother had the foresight to take me out of school that day and present me to the Holy Father. And he blessed myself and a bunch of children on the parade route, going all the way up to City Hall on Broad Street in Philadelphia. It is one of the proudest moments of my life. Although I do not remember it, I've been told about it numerous times and to this day, I hold it as one of the proudest moments. One of the second proudest moments in my religious life, being blessed, was being blessed by Pope Francis. A bunch of us also at the World Day of Families in Philadelphia not too long ago, were sitting out of the Philadelphia Basilica and he turned to us and he gave us his papal blessing. I am proud to say that that happened. So I love our Holy Father. No matter what criticism I have, of some of his words and actions, or questions that I have for him, I love our Pope, okay? We have a father, we are blessed to have a father, but that does not always mean a father performs his fatherly duties 100% of the time. We may have a father who could be abusive at times, he could be isolationist at times, He may even be derogatory at times. Nonetheless, I love our Father, Pope Francis. We pray for him at Mass. We pray for him at Rosary and his intentions, his holy intentions. So let that be clear that I proclaim for all to hear the Pope is our pontiff. I do not believe in any irregularities in. Uh, his legitimacy i believe that he may be misguided i believe that he may have other things that guide him other than the holy spirit all the time i say this the pope is only infallible when he proclaims doctrine from the chair of peter which in history people and theologians smarter than myself say has only happened two times Okay, everything that he says on a plane or writes down on a paper and publishes is not infallible. Papal infallibility has a very, a very, 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 very high standard. Let that be known. Papal infallibility has a very high standard. Not every word that the Holy Father proclaims is infallible. So for our Protestant friends, our brothers and sisters, our separated brothers and sisters, our Orthodox friends in the the Eastern Orthodox And the Oriental Orthodox churches, let me say that again, infallibility simply means when the Holy Father proclaims a doctrine, not an opinion, not a theological statement, not a clarification, then and only then is the Holy Father infallible. So we got that out of the way. Now, who is George Anthony? George Anthony is a Maronite Catholic. I am not a Roman Catholic. Catholic. I am a Maronite Catholic. What does that mean? Because people have asked about the music before and at the ending of the the show. So let me clarify. I belong to the Eastern Catholic family. There is the Western Catholic family, which is, most of you know, the Roman Catholic Church or the Latin Church under Pope Francis. Under Pope Francis, there's also 22 Eastern Catholic churches, some of which are the Maronite, the Melkite, uh, they have the Coptic Catholics. But what makes those 22 churches unique is that their liturgy, their Mass, is said in the ancient languages. So the Melkite Church has their liturgy, their Mass, in both Greek and in Arabic. The Maronite Church. His liturgy is in Arabic and in Syriac, or Aramaic, the language of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is no difference in the licitness of the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Catholic Churches. Most people, when they think of the Roman Catholic Church, they they think that there's only one way of saying Mass, like the Latin... um, and and the English or or the French or the German or the Western the, the Western languages, if you will, uh, what they don't realize is that the twenty-two rites, meaning the twenty-two liturgical rites, the different ways of saying Mass, are one hundred percent in line with the Holy Pontiff as our ruler. We are not Orthodox. In fact, we we have similarities to the Orthodox, and the reason why is because historically. All except the Maronite church have a similar or a mirror church in orthodoxy. What does that mean? The Eastern churches, except the Maronite church that was established out of Syria and present-day Lebanon, all had a view that at one point the Holy Father uh, was not the head of all these churches, and politically they split. All except the Maronite church. The Maronite church has always always, always, always been in communion with the Pope in Rome as the leader of the churches. So these other other rights, the 21 other rights, have a counterpart in Orthodoxy that do not recognize the Holy Father, the Pope in Rome, as the leader of all Christendom, all the universal, holy Catholic, and apostolic church. So the Melkite, the Melkite Catholics, have a Mira church uh, the Greek Catholics have a Mira church. the Coptics have a, both an Orthodox branch and a Catholic branch. those that believe in the Holy Father and those that do not believe in the Holy Father, so you have like Coptic Orthodox Coptic Catholics. The Maronites have nothing even remotely close when you say Maronite, it means Catholic, not literally but it you, you can guarantee. They are Catholic. So I am Maronite. I am baptized, confirmed, received Holy Eucharist in the Maronite Catholic Church. Always and forever will be in union with the Holy Father in Rome. No question. So anyone who was thinking I was Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox or in schism with the Holy Father in any way. Not only is my religion not and never has been or never will be, but we are completely 100% Catholic. As a fact of the matter, if you look up what St. Pope John Paul II said about the Eastern and Western churches, the Western church being the Latin rite or the Roman Catholic church and the Eastern churches being the 22 different liturgical rites, he said it is the church, the Holy Mother Church Church is a body that breathes with two lungs. The left and the right lung. The lung of the east and the lung of the west. Meaning the 22 in the east and the one in the west. So we are in complete communion with Rome and always will be. So that that eliminates any possibility of anyone, you know, hinting that I am Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, or likewise. Um, I am not. Now, Liturgically, I, again, we're we're speaking about who I am, so we have all clarity. Liturgically, I currently attend a traditional Latin Mass, a TLM. I've attended Catholic school most of my adolescent life, and when I did so as a young boy, I remember the Mass being in the old form, the Latin form, the traditional form For most of of my childhood, and then at some point, um, the church that I attended, uh, the school church that I attended, because I I attended a Maronite church, a Maronite Catholic church on Sunday, but went to Roman Catholic school uh, during the week. And we had First Fridays, we had uh, Holy Days of Obligation, we had rosary, we had different things that were done um, during the week. And it was all done in the Latin Rite. So I remember attending Mass in the Latin Rite, um, very specifically being done in the old Rite, the, the Latin, and then at some point it changed to English. Um, the priest first facing away from us towards the Holy Tabernacle and then towards us, which most of you probably know as, uh, as the, the um, normal way of that Mass is presented Uh, with the the priest facing the people and in the vernacular, meaning the language of the people. Um, So I have an affinity for the traditional Latin Mass, and currently I attend the traditional Latin Mass. I feel it to be more reverent. I feel it to be more respectful of the Holy Eucharist. I feel it to be more militaristic. What do I mean by militaristic? More so that you don't have a thousand people uh, up on the altar doing whatever they're doing, waving their hands. When the altar boys make a gesture, they all bow together. When the priest moves, he moves in a militaristic manner, very succinctly and disciplined. Every motion has its purpose. It is not a free-for-all. It is not free-flowing. It is not uh, on-the-cuff, the -the moment impromptu. Latin Mass, you know when everyone's going to kneel. You know when everyone's going to bow. You know when there's spoken words, and you know when there's silence. In the Novus Ordo, or the, the, the... the new order of the mass, the the mass that's done in the vernacular, many of them are still done this way with a very militaristic and disciplined style. However, what I find it to be is that most of them are done in a very, forgive me, my Protestant brothers and sisters, Protestant relaxed mannerism where it's not very structured. It is more spur of the moment. Yes, there are structured parts of the mass where you bow, you kneel, but the movements on the altar are not. Now we're not going to get into the mass right now, but I want to let you know who I am uh, and, and you know where I'm coming from. So now that that's out of the way, I believe we say the creed. You know, I believe in the communion of saints, the one holy Catholic Apostolic Church, the forgiveness of sins, the seven sacraments. I believe it in it all. So there should be no question that I am not a state of a contest. I am not a state of a contest. I don't believe that Benedict was still Pope after he, uh, after he retired or gave up the papal chair. I do not believe that Francis is not Pope. He is indeed Pope. He's our Holy Father. I also believe that everything needs to be measured through the scope of sacred tradition and Holy Scripture. That being said, I will be critical of everyone from the Holy Father all the way down to the parish priest. If they get outside of the doctrine and the deposit of the faith that has been passed down to the faithful for 2,000 years. So let me say that again. My faith that Pope Francis, Jorge Begoglio, is the holy pontiff, does not exclude me from questioning, does not exclude me from Challenging and does not exclude me from being curious about motives, about pronouncements, or anything else that seems to even slightly be outside of the deposit of faith. I am not blindly led to the slaughter. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has clearly laid down in the Holy Gospels everything that we need in the deposit of faith. And the Holy Church since then has made proclamations for over 2,000 years on those declarations by Jesus Christ in the Holy Gospels. Outside of this, any one man's opinion, any one man's social agenda, any one man's political preference matter not to me, nor should it matter to any faithful Christian, and or Catholic. We need to recognize the Holy Father as such, but we also need to question when questions are relevant. With all this being said, I continue to encourage you, my friends, my brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen of goodwill, to pray for the Holy Father, to pray for the Magisterium of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, to pray for your pastors, and your leaders that they do nothing except promote the kingdom of Jesus Christ, sovereign Lord of everything and everyone on this earth and far in the galaxy. With that being said, let us dive into today's topic of Fiducia Siplicanus. It is the Declaration on the Meaning of Pastoral Blessings. So as you know, ladies and gentlemen, or you may know, or you will know shortly, I should say, there was a document that came out not too long ago from the Dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith. I believe I got that right. In the old school, we used to call it the Holy Office. It's basically the office that is run by a cardinal that puts out pronouncements of faith or clarifies what we as Catholics should believe or must believe or answers questions of holy cardinals and holy bishops or priests that are presented to the Holy Father or to the magisterium, meaning the the leaders of the church, okay? So there's been a lot of question on what priests can and can't bless. And this doctrine was put out with regards to a response to a dubia. A dubia is simply question in in latin it just it means to question we're, 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 with clarification we need clarification um it was it was this dubia was presented by two cardinals on what can be blessed and what can't be blessed so let let's um let's just dig into this document now i will be honest with you brothers and sisters that i am not one that's going to bash the holy father but i am not But I am not also going to sit and defend him when I clearly think that pronouncements are incorrect. I have been accused of not looking at everything Pope Francis or some of the cardinals say in the best possible light. Okay, let me tell you that is false. I can read the documents for myself. I am not basing my judgment, nor will I ever base my judgment on reported feelings or concerns. What do I mean? I mean, there's a lot of people there that go to the traditional podcasts, and I'll name names. Dr. Taylor Marshall, uh, Tim Gordon, and uh, uh, Dr. um, Anthony Stein, and they will get their opinion They will form their own personal opinion based on the opinions of these well-intentioned, well-meaning podcasters. I have no doubt in my mind that Dr. Taylor Marshall, Dr. Anthony Stein, and uh, Tim Gordon love the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. As a matter of fact, I'm sure of it. They are passionate. They are men's men. They are gentlemen. They are amongst the people— that I look up to with regards to their passion. However, we are all human beings and we must all come to form our own opinions. So although I listen to these gentlemen and their opinions of what they have to say, I go and I look at the documents or the pronouncements or the situation for myself, as any good analyst and researcher would do. I don't call myself a reporter, And I don't call myself a theologian. My position in life is research analyst. This is what I do for a living. And this is what I do when it comes with regards to the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I like to play amateur theologian. But I find that it is easier for me to research and analyze and base my research and analytics against what we know to be true, the deposit of the faith, and come up with a algorithm that either produces a false or a true. In other words, I know what the deposit the of the faith proclaims. It is clearly written in many, many documents, one of them being the Holy Scripture, the Holy Bible, also in the Catechism of the Catholic Faith. These things are without question the basis, including holy tradition, of our faith. Anything that is outside of that realm will produce a false answer. Anything that is tested against that within that realm will produce a true answer. So I do not do theology based on uh, philosophy. What I do is theology based on research and analytics. Okay. So it's a very mathematical way, if you will, a very scientific way of of testing whether something is holy or not holy, whether something is Catholic or not Catholic. So that's how I, that's how I present. That's how I present my, my take on religion, my, my theology. I don't do it from a a philosophical point of view. Um, It's not philosophical in nature. It is very one for one. Um, So I am unbending in that. and And I pride myself on that. That being said, I don't, get emotional for the sake of emotion. I get emotional when something touches me deep down in my heart and my soul. So when I first heard about this document on the difference of blessings or the the explanation of blessings, Fiducia Suplicanus, I was a little bit offset because everybody was attacking Pope Francis and attacking Cardinal Fernandez as heretics and, and, um, all, all, kind of, all kind of manner of, of name calling. I mean, some were not calling names, some were calling names. There, there's all kind of stuff floating out there. I have to take a pause and I had to take time to understand what it is that was aggravating these very well-intentioned Catholic men and some women. But the three that I mentioned are the, are the, the gentlemen that I tend to listen to. Unfortunately, my life' circumstances has not allowed me to read this document fully in English. I read it um, briefly, but I did not read it in English up until most recently. And I've taken the time to now research and extrapolate what this document is saying. and I am frankly very surprised that most of the outrage is 100% completely justified. Let me say that. The outrage at this document, by all means, is 100% justified. I am in no way saying any name-calling or any finger-pointing or any anything that was said disrespectfully or negatively about the Holy Father or Cardinal Fernandez is okay. That should not stand. We are Christian Catholics. We are called to be charitable. That means love your brother, but admonish him. You can love someone who's a sinner and still call out their sin. You do not need to call names. You need not direct insults. We need no insulting. We need no name calling. We need nothing except prayer and respect and discipline. That being said, I am not here to Pope-splain. If you don't know what Pope-splaining is, let me explain it to you, pun intended. Pope explaining is when someone always takes the side of the Holy Father for the mere fact of that he is the Holy Father, okay? I will defend the papacy and the Pope himself with my life, my liberty, and my blood if I have to. But that does not mean I will defend every single pronouncement that is outside of the doctrine of the faith. I will say it again. I will defend Pope Francis with my life, my liberty, and my blood if necessary. But that does not mean I defend everything that he has put on paper or everything that he has said. I defend the man and his body and his chair of Peter and the fact that he is the leader of our One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church because he is our father and he is our leader. And we must defend our religion. But that does not mean that I will sit here and just shake my head like a good sheep zombie follower. If the Pope proclaims something not to be true, outside of the the doctrine that we've been given by Jesus Christ himself, passed down through the traditional proclamations of the apostles, through the catechism, I will say it loud and clear. A pope-splainer, my good friends, in case you're not sure what that is, is one who basically always takes the words of the pope and tries to present them, not only in the best light possible, which we're called to do, but find some way to bend, twist, and ignore everything else that has been presented. Okay? So you take the good, but then you take the bad and try to twist it or mold it into good, giving way over the benefit of the doubt. We should all give the benefit of the doubt to the Holy Father and and to the Cardinals. But if you see something blatantly slapping you in your face, how can one sit there and not question, at the very least? You don't need to insult, you don't need to point fingers, but how can you, as a good Catholic, not question what is being said? Let, let, me, let, me, let me get to the meat and potatoes of what, what's going on here. In paragraph three of Fiducia Supplicanus, the document named on the pastoral meaning of blessings, the third paragraph is labeled the following. It is labeled blessings of couples in irregular situations and of couples of the same sex. Stop. Stop the presses right there. Repeat, paragraph three, blessings of couples in irregular situations and of couples of the same sex. If this title doesn't punch you straight in your face as a Catholic, you're either asleep or you're complicit. I charge you now to go to holy confession and confess This is in just the title without reading any of the following things that I'm going to read to you is a absolute 100% un-Catholic, un-Christian, sinful thing. I don't need to read any further. However, as a good research analyst, as a good theologian, as a good Catholic, I will absolutely read further. But I'm going to tell you right now that this title in itself makes me start to question what I'm going to read further. Let me read to you, and then we can come back and we can analyze this. So paragraph 31 of the entire document of section 3 says, Within the horizon outlined here appears the possibility of blessing." for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex. The form of which should not be fixed ritually by the ecclesiastical authorities to avoid producing confusion with the blessing of proper to the sacraments of marriage. Further down it says, this blessing does not claim to legitimize Their own status, but who beg that all that is true and humanly valid in their lives and their relationships be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me read it again. These people do not claim a legitimization of their own status, but who beg that all is true, good, and humanly valid in their lives and their relationships be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this language sounds very nice and fluffy, but let me just break down what's happening to you. But it happen- happening. Let me break down what's happening. First of all, this document isn't being very clear what an irregular couple is. An irregular couple is generally speaking, two people who are divorced civilly and, quote-unquote, remarried in a different relationship, but that the relationship was never enulled, meaning that the relationship was never, the marriage relationship was never, uh, not dissolved, but recognized as invalid from the very beginning. An annulment is not a Catholic divorce. Marriage is as the marriage vow says. Once and for always, till death do us part. And an, om- an annulment is only recognizing that the two individuals did not have the intention to marry in the first place. Even though all the liturgical trappings, the suits, and the the wedding dress, and uh, all the prayers were said, that does not join two people. At the end of the day, two people are joined by their intention to be married, without distress, without any other situation in mind, whether it be for money, whether it be for uh, legitimacy of uh, status in the government, such as a green card or a passport, we call it green card in here, United States citizenship, or uh, because someone got uh, someone's daughter pregnant and the father puts a gun to your head and says, you marry my daughter. These people will not be married because their intention is to not actually be married and bound to each other for life. Their intention is otherwise. Uh, for whatever other reason or they had some fault in their understanding of marriage uh people who who enter into marriage with um the intention of of when they split when not if when they split that they will they will uh each uh financially benefit in some way prenuptial agreement we call it here in the united states Meaning that you have an agreement before you do your nuptials, before you do your marriage, that in the event that you should separate, you receive this amount of money and the other partner receives this amount of money. The wife receives this, the husband. Going into a marriage should be, I'm going to die with this person. I am going to live my life for this person. I am not separating my money into different accounts. The wife has an account with her finances and the husband has an account with his finances the wife pays for certain things here and the husband pays for certain things there and they separate their money out and they still live like single people inside of a quote-unquote married relationship all these things can constitute an annulment meaning that your intention was never to live as one in truth in dignity, in openness, without any hidden agendas, or separating finances, or separating mentality, or separating anything else, with the intention to live as one, to think as one, to even disagree as one, you can get an annulment if those things were never present at the time you decided to say, I do at the altar, okay? So that means that couples, quote-unquote, according to this document, in a regular relationship are those who have second marriages but never went through the annulment process. In other words, let's just be clear, the individuals are living in sin, okay? Regardless what paper the state or the government give you that you were divorced, you have not gone through the process for the church to recognize that your, quote-unquote, first marriage— was annulled or actually proper because right now your quote-unquote first marriage is still in the context of being the only marriage. Therefore, the woman that you're sleeping with right now, the man that you're sleeping with right now, you're doing it sinfully. You are committing adultery, okay? I don't care if she's now taking your last name. I don't care what government document says. I don't even care how many beautiful children you have. You are living in sin. Those people are living in sin. And listen, some by no fault of their own. Listen, we're human beings. We make mistakes. Not everybody understands what the church proclaims. Not everyone understands. However, let's just call what it is. Irregular situations, as this document calls it, are sinful relationships. That's Part of the confusion of this document. They want to soften the blow so people feel happy and and, and nice about what they're doing. They don't want to feel like anyone's admonishing them. That's part of the problem with the modern-day church. We need to call sin out where it's sin. This document, I did a word count, says the word sin or sinful two times. Two. Two times. It says the word irregular five times. 5 times. Just in this paragraphs describing what kind of relationship it is. They refuse to call a sinful relationship and and adultery 0 times. There's nowhere where adultery, adulterer, adulterous is mentioned. Nothing, zero. So, this document is basically taking the classical words of the church, adultery and replacing it with irregular. Sinful replacing it with irregular. That's the first problem of this document. Okay. Well, let's say we do understand the language. Not only that, it's now added to the same sex, excuse me, it's now added to the heterosexual couple living in sin because they still have someone that they're liturgically and theologically married to in the church and now living with what they call their second wife or third wife or whatever number wife or husband you want to call it, okay, without having the church look at their situation, and bless their marriage after confession is given, after, if possible, if possible, an annulment is given. Not everyone who applies for an annulment, let's be clear, gets it. So if you are in your quote-unquote second marriage and the church does not give you an annulment, you are called to live with that woman or that man as brother and sister. In other words, cut out the sex. I'm going to say it straight, brothers and sisters. Just because you've had children with that person in the past, maybe six children. Maybe you have a beautiful family of seven children. You and your, quote, new wife, but she's not your wife. The woman you live with and have uh, the mother of your children, the father of your children, you live with that other person, have a beautiful family. The church is not calling you to break up your family. No way, Jose. Your family is beautiful and should stay together, but you should discontinue all sexual relations with that other person because that person is not your legal husband or wife. Legal in the church sense of the word, not what the world wants to put on paper just because you present yourself in front of a court or whatever. Okay, so the church is not calling to break up your relationships, but it is also not calling for you to live fully as man and wife fully meaning sexually spiritually and legally okay no one's saying you have to go back to your first wife or husband that abused you or whatever injustice they did to you and and let's be honest most let's most divorces are done because oh we grew apart oh we were too young oh, frivolous reasons i'm not here to judge any of reasons why two people separate and then quote, civilly divorced because you can be separated from your legal husband and just never have relations again. There are many cases where Catholic individuals are married in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, do not get an annulment, but physically separate. John lives in this house and Mary lives in a different house and neither one of them have sexual or any other kind of relationships with anyone to the day they die because they've made a vow, but they simply cannot live with each other. Yes, it sounds harsh, but guess what? God does not conform To us, we should conform to God. So this is what we are called to do. This is what we must do to be in relationship with God. Off of my pulpit. Back to this document. So that's what the, you know, Pope and the Cardinals are calling, or some of the Cardinals out of the Holy Office are calling irregular relationships. Basically sinful relationships of people who are remarried in uh, a civil union and have children or otherwise. They're calling them irregular. They're not irregular. They are sinful. And they need to be, they need to be, told as much because people are getting confused so in addition to that they've added same-sex couples to this discussion okay now what's the problem with any of these these blessings on quote-unquote irregular couples or couples living in sinful relationships and same-sex couples which are also sinful the problem is the union itself Is sinful. The union, the sexual union of a man and a wife not married in the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, and still have a spouse out there, okay? Or two men or two women who are sexually active or living together asking for a blessing cannot happen. Why can that happen? You're going to say, George, everyone can be blessed. Yes, every sinner can be blessed. But this is not saying blessing. This is not saying the blessing of individuals in same-sex relationships or the blessing of individuals in sinful, different-sex relationships. This is saying the blessing of couples. Couples meaning two people together at the same time. You cannot bless sin. The act of being together with someone who is not deemed a licit, valid, or holy relationship is sinful. Therefore, you cannot bless it. The same way you cannot bless the tools of abortion to be holy, you cannot bless the tools of adultery to be holy. What are the tools of adultery? Two unmarried people, whether they're same sex or different sex if these people are not married in the eyes of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, they are living in a sinful situation and therefore together it is sin and you cannot bless sin. Can one of these individuals approach a priest and say, Father, I need a blessing? Absolutely. A blessing because you're in distress, your mother's sick, all these things. But this is not the agenda here, ladies and gentlemen. The agenda here is to regularize. And you know what? I'm going to have a lot of calls and a lot of emails and a lot of things saying, well, George, 95 percent of the document actually backs up the sacredness of marriage. Hundred percent correct. Good job, Pope Francis. Good job, uh, Cardinal Fernandez. I support you and I stand with you. They said there is no other valid relationship other than sacred matrimony as recognized by the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I am not going to let that fall on deaf ears. Good job, Pope Francis. Good job, Cardinal Fernandez. But we already knew that, guys. So what is happening in this document, ladies and gentlemen? The document is what I call a sandwich. You have truth, heresy, truth. The heresy is the meat, and the truth are the two buns and all the things between the meat. They've sandwiched garbage. Heretical garbage between truth. There is more truth in this document than there is garbage. But they, whoever they would be, who I'm not pointing fingers, but whoever thought that traditional, orthodox, good meaning men and women will not read this document, I don't don't know what, what to say. There is so much beauty in this document that everyone else is failing to to recognize, and I want to recognize it now. I am not beating up on the Pope and Cardinal Fernandez, but what I am saying is that blessings of sin have no place in the Catholic Church. And whoever believes so, whether he be Pope, Cardinal, Bishop, Monsignor, or Priest, be anathema. Be in heresy. Be in schism. You cannot bless sinful actions nor can you bless the union that is sinful you can bless individually individually let me say it again you can bless a murderer but you cannot bless his murder you can bless an abortionist but you cannot bless his an abortion You can bless adulterers, but you cannot bless their adultery. You can bless homosexuals, cannot bless their homosexuality or the homosexual unions. By presenting yourself as man and woman who are not married in the Catholic Church and ask for a blessing, holding hands as a couple at the altar in front of the priest cannot be done. The same way that presenting yourself as a couple Two homosexual men or as a couple of two homosexual women in front of a priest and ask for a blessing as a unit, which is the product of sin, cannot be done. You cannot bless the product of sin. You cannot bless the sin itself, nor can you bless anything that is evil. You cannot do it. What makes you think that we, faithful Catholics, are going to sit down and say, well, you've said it in nice words. You've used irregular instead of adulterer. You used irregular instead of adulteress. You use same sex instead of homosexual. You you, listen, listen, listen. There is no legitimate sexual relationship other than the one between one man and one woman. Period. And it means that you have no other prior relationships where you were married or where you were adulterous outside of the marriage. Regardless of how many children you have, the families you established, or the last name that the woman now holds. There can never be any legitimate relationship outside of holy marriage period, doesn't mean if you're heterosexual and living in sin, it's better than you're homosexual. It is equally sinful, equally sinful. So this whole irregular and adultery is adultery. Whether two men are sleeping together, two women are sleeping together, or a man and women are sleeping together and they don't belong together because they've not been married properly and they are, have other spouses elsewhere. Or simply aren't married and they're they're two 17-year-olds or divorcees or whatever whatever the situation. Adultery is adultery. I I don't care who the individuals are. You can't present yourself to a priest and say, bless my adultery, Father. What happened in the Bible when sinners presented themselves to Jesus? He said, go and sin no more. You know, what should happen here, what should happen here is when a couple, two people in a sinful, adulterous relationship, whether they've stopped having sex with each other, stopping adulterous, present themselves for blessing, should be told the following. Go and sin no more. Go to confession. Confession. Confess the fact that you are sleeping with, in a relationship with, someone who is not your legitimate spouse. To men, to women, man and woman, doesn't matter. That's not being said here. This document has nothing about confession of your sins, has nothing about repentance. It has everything about we should accept, we should understand, we should understand. Pope Francis wants, this is what is being said. I could care less what anyone wants other than the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I say that against my father. I say that against my mother. I say that against my holy father, the Pope. I say that against the entire magisterium of the church. I say that against the pastor at the end of the corner. I say that against my friends. I will stand up with everyone next to Jesus himself against anyone or anything that be heretical In schism or anathema, mind you, that doesn't mean that I'm going to leave them and shun them. We are not Amish. We are not cultish. We don't do that. But because of my deep love for these individuals, I will stand up and proclaim the truth. Every single time. Truth needs to be said plainly and clearly. I am sick and tired of window dressing. I am sick and tired of nice, nice talk. I am sick and tired of huggy kissy Sin is sin. Adultery is adultery. It is what it is. Say it plain. I don't care what anyone wants it to be. It is what it is. Our preachers, our teachers, our priests, our evangelists, our cardinals and bishops and popes, need to speak plainly and clearly. This document, for all the good it does by reaffirming marriage as the only recognized sexual relationship for the procreation of children, sneaks in. I'm going to use the word sneak. Slide, sneak, it doesn't matter. Slides in section three with this irregular nonsense and same-sex nonsense. It doesn't belong. I want to read again this last part. And this, this, this very, very much so bothers me. The second part says, do not claim a legitimation of their own status. Okay. So you mean to tell me that there's two gay individuals, okay, and they come asking for a, a blessing together, holding hands, father at the altar, but they are not asking for to be legitimately recognized. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You're just saying, bless us together, but we really are not asking you to legitimize what we are doing in our bedroom. Okay, but they're begging. But furthermore, the doctor says, but who beg that all is true, good, and humanly valid in their lives and their relationships be enriched. Here's the problem. There is nothing good, humanly valid, and elevated in their relationship. It is sinful. Their relationship is the product of Satan. Okay? I'm going to get real, real down and dirty gospel with you. I don't really care what their fluffy feelings are john and stand towards each other their feelings should stop at brotherly love that's it there is nothing true beautiful and good in homosexual relationships not a thing at all zero there is nothing true good and beautiful about adultery in heterosexual relationships the product of those heterosexual relationships may be children That is true, beautiful, and good. But as by the grace of God, the act of procreating those children was not good, pure, beautiful, and holy. Only God could make those children pure, beautiful, good, and holy. And families come of all different shapes and sizes under no illusion that we have many families like that. But that in no way means the adulterous relationship that produced those children were holy. Some people are going to find this hard. And I, listen, I have a lot of friends that have these relationships. So this is not anything new to anyone. I, I'm preaching and teaching to a wider audience. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to insult anyone. But we need to be clear about what the church teaches and what it does not teach. What Christ has said and what Christ did not say. And that is at the detriment or the gambling of any of my personal relationships, if someone chooses to leave my side as my brother, my friend, or my confidant, because I speak the Holy Gospel, then so be it. I am not passing judgment on anyone. I am saying what our church teaches and doesn't teach. Too far long have we not have had men and women who say things straight and clear. We say things based on our relationships. John and I are friends. I don't have a friend, John, right? Mary and I are friends. Sue and I are friends, whoever. And because I love this person so deeply and we do everything together and we have a great friendship and a relationship, or even we're related by blood your brother, your sister, your uncle, your cousin, your father, or your mother people hesitate to speak the truth to power to them they hesitate because they are afraid of the damage it will bring between them and the other individual we're not saying preach like i'm preaching with fire in my belly now but don't sacrifice god for man don't sacrifice the holy scripture the gospel the holiness for a relationship of man Because I guarantee you, you'll either be in heaven together or hell together or heaven separately and hell separately. There's no choice. There's no other choice. The preference would be that both of you attain heavenly sanctuary after death. That you both attain heaven and the beatific vision. That would be preferable for every single person. In every single relationship, who doesn't want to be in heaven with their friends, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, and their fathers? And the way to get there is not going to be always to affirm or make the other one feel good and happy or simply ignore and never talk about it. Sometimes when the situation presents itself, you need to talk about it. I'm getting off onto a tangent let me which i frequently do let me let me get back on subject here so this document further says that the blessing is to pretty much bring out what is good true beautiful about the relationship when two people enter into adultery that is an adulterous union therefore that has nothing good, true, and beautiful in it. When someone murders someone, there is nothing good, true, and beautiful about the murder. Whether they did it with sleeping pills, where the person fell asleep forever and was poisoned, or where they did it with an axe and chopped off someone's head and made a bloody mess. Murder is murder. Adultery is adultery. Point blank Period. Say it plain. Say it straight. Is it a violation of the commandments? Is it a violation of the Holy Gospel? It is a violation of God's law and 2,000 years of Scripture and tradition. I mean, we don't even need the Scripture and tradition. It is a violation of the, of the Ten Commandments. Period. Point blank. Stop. Done. So to dress this document up with the blessing is meant to, listen, you cannot bless murder. You cannot bless adultery. You cannot bless cursing. God out. You can't bless any sinful actions. So how can you bless adultery, which is sinful? You cannot. Can these individuals in this relationship come to the priest on an individual basis and say, Father, bless me. I am stressed. Father, bless me. I actually want to repent of my sins. Yes. But if you come as a unit, which is the product of your sin, the unit is a product of your sin, The holding hands together unit the, the individuals now coming together as a quote unquote couple is a sinful thing. That sinful thing is being presented to a priest and asked the priest to bless that sinful thing. I don't care how you view it. Well, there's a person and there's another person and we can bless John and we can bless Robert or we can bless Mary and we can bless Jack. Yeah, but together they're a unit and together they're asking for a blessing and together is, is, is a sin. Their togetherness is a sin. Once again, their togetherness, the idea that they are a quote unquote couple is a sin. Therefore, you cannot bless the sin. You cannot bless the couple. I don't know how how they got around this and with all this fancy language. Let's go on to the the next section. This is paragraph 38 in section three. And here is the part. This is very, very, very interesting too. One should neither provide for nor promote a ritual for the blessing of couples in an irregular situation. Let's rephrase that. In a sinful situation, in adultery. Okay, that's obvious. You're saying water is wet. The sky is blue. So it's saying a priest should not provide or prov- provide or promote a ritual, like a formal ritual, for the blessing of Adulterous couples. And it says, at the same time, one should not prevent or prohibit the church's closeness to the people in every situation in which they might seek God's help through a simple blessing. Yes, 100%. I agree with this 100% with a caveat. They should not present themselves as a couple. Presenting yourselves as a couple Equals, you're presenting the sin to be blessed. If John is a homosexual and Robert is a homosexual and they present themselves individually in confession and want a blessing, they present them individually for a blessing for a new job or whatever, they should be blessed. When they're holding hands, presenting themselves at the altar and asking them to be blessed, that is causing scandal, that is causing hypocrisy, it is causing all sorts of sin to be done. You cannot bless sin. I am how many times I'm going to say it. You can't bless sin. So, yes, individuals can be blessed. And one should not make legitimate ritual for the blessing of these, quote, unquote, irregular couples. They're basically adulterers, adulterous couples, sinful couples. But what you can do is bless individuals. So I, I agree with that. The church's closeness— it, to the people should remain in that you should always have an avenue open for sinners to come to get blessed. But also those people asked to being blessed should be directed to go to confession and to turn away from their sins. Jesus Christ, the ultimate priest, the fulfillment of all the Jewish scriptures and the Old Testament, after he did any healing or after he did any kind of preaching, told the people he was preaching to Go and sin no more. This document is not calling for confession. It's not calling for people to go and sin no more. It's calling for us, the people reading the document, to accept some sinful situations. I do not accept sin. I do not accept adultery. I do not accept murder. I do not accept anything that is against the Ten Commandments in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I do not accept it. You cannot get me to accept it, and I am not signing on. Therefore, I am calling out to the Holy Father, and the magisterium to rescind this document, to adjust this document, and to actually clarify further that all the good parts remain and you further clean up the document with regards to removing blessings for adulterous couples. Whether it be same-sex or, uh, or, or, or uh, different-gendered couples. Can't have it. You can't have a bunch of truth. Sanguishing heresy. Because one drop of ink in a glass of water causes the whole glass of water to become unpalatable, undrinkable. You cannot put a drop of poison inside of water or ink and expect to drink pure water. You have corrupted the whole glass. The glass being the understanding Of the truth of the gospel, and then adding poison or sin in there, and you expect, well, most of it was good. Yeah, most of it was good. That's not what we're called to be. We're not called to be mostly holy. We're called to be holy because your Father in heaven is holy. That's what the Bible said. It doesn't say, oh, just do the best you can. Yes, we're sinful, human, fallen beings, but we are called to a higher standard, and even more so when we're clerics, when we're priests, when we're bishops, we are called— to proclaim the gospel according to Jesus Christ, not how we would see it, but how Jesus would see it, how it was proclaimed. Not the adjustment of, the version of, what we think we should have. Oh, they didn't know better, they were old-fashioned. How dare you try to change the Holy Scriptures? How dare you try to change the words of Christ? So all this fancy language in this one paragraph or this one section that's actually between Very good reasoning that marriage is the only way is a drop of poison and otherwise a clear glass. It is being hidden in plain sight. Let's go to the next section. Section 41. What has been said in this declaration Regarding, before I finish that sentence, this is the ending of this paragraph, right? This is kind of like the nail in the coffin. What paragraph 41, section 3 says, What has been said in this declaration regarding the blessing of same-sex couples is sufficient to guide the prudent and fatherly discernment of ordained ministers in this regard. Thus, Beyond the guidance provided above, no further responses should be expected about the possible ways to regulate details or practicalities regarding blessings of this type. just want to let that sink in. Basically, that's stop asking. I said what I said. You have no reason to question me or question us, or this document. You know what, I don't need any further clarity. I don't even need this document. I have the document I need. It's called the Holy Bible. It's called the Holy Gospels. It's called the Catechism of the Council of Trent. It's called the Catechism of the Catholic Church promulgated by Pope John Paul, St. Pope John Paul II. I have everything I need as a Catholic that is between the pages of Holy Scripture and in the catechisms that have been presented by the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. This document could or could not exist and would not change my mind, one iota, what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, what is Catholic, and what is anathema, what is heresy, and what is scandal, what is absolute and what is not, what is sacred and what is profane. This document is going to change your mind. If it is going to change your mind, I should say, then you should check yourself. You should see if the material presented in this document butts its head against sacred scripture or does it completely conform with sacred scripture, sacred scripture. Does the material in this document promote the holy gospel or does it detract from the holy gospel? Does this document clarify the Holy Gospel? Or does this document question the Holy Gospel? Or put into question the Holy Gospel? And for that fact, the entire Bible itself. Not just the Gospels, but the entire Bible itself. God's Word has been promoted through the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from A to Z, and everywhere in between. Every single word of that Bible is the word of God. If this document, Fiducia supplicanus in any way causes you to question what you know to be good, true, and beautiful about the Holy Bible, then it is 100% needs to be redone, needs to be done away with. Like I said, a drop of poison in water poisons the entire water you cannot drink that water without being poisoned either this is intentional or it is unintentional i cannot judge the soul of the authors of this document what but i can tell you this document is material materially heretical this contains heresy this document contains error this document contains sin. This document is not Catholic fully. There are parts of this document where upholds where sacred scripture is upheld. There are parts of this document which are true, good and beautiful, but sandwiched between those true, good and beautiful parts, we have slipped in the most heretical thing I have ever wrote. Excuse me. Thank God I didn't write it. I have ever read coming out of the Vatican or out of Rome. I have had the opportunity, the blessing, and the privilege to read many encyclicals, many papal papal encyclicals, many papal pronouncements, many things written by the Holy Fathers, the the popes in Rome over the many 2,000 years. I have never once... In my life had anything that I read come close to this. I was reading the document again this morning before recording this session, and I was pleasantly pleased that the beginning paragraphs were very very um in line, if you will, they weren't super Catholic. But they were very in line with the with the holy gospel and the holy Bible. There, there are parts of this where I, I stand up and I salute. I say, yeah, yeah, this is great. But also questioning why do we need it? Because we already know this. Like, you know, you're saying the water is wet, the sky is blue. Well, what I think is being done is that you just can't come out with a section on blessings for homosexual and adulterous couples, other adulterous couples, because all, all all these things are adulterous. You have to kind of like ease into it, right? You kind of, if you, that is, if there is a social agenda here, if there is an evil agenda here, I'm not going to judge that because that's up to God to judge. But what I can tell you is if this document only contained the section on quote unquote irregular, what is actually adulterous and sinful relationships, this thing would have been thrown through the wall because it is being placed in such a strategic manner within a document that otherwise contains traditional Catholic views that you get lost in all the beautiful words. But, George, uh, there's a part that reaffirms marriage. Yep, and I'm on board with that. I'm good. Yep, let's go. Good to go. George, there's a part that says only uh, marriage is licit for sexual relationships. Yep, I'm on board with that too. And there's many good parts like that. There's many awesome parts like that. But then you slip in trash in between all the sacredness. And I'm supposed to what? Defend the entire document because 95% of it is is uh, true and, and beautiful and supports Holy Mother Church? I'll support those parts. But guess what? I don't need this document to do so. We have plenty of other documents to do so. It's called the Bible. It's called the Catechism. But this document in itself is suspect to me. It is suspect because it is focusing in the middle. The middle is focusing on irregular and homosexual unions, both irregular, both sinful, both adulterous, both have no place in the church. Why do we need this document if it's going to talk about marriage? Is it going to further clarify the marital state between one man and one woman and the procreation of children for uh, the promulgation of the Holy Church and the uplifting of the Holy Gospels and the kingdom of God. Okay, that's great. We have documents that, that further clarify how you should act and be in a, in a marital relationship, whether it's sexual marital relationship or a marital relationship where two people are fertile. We have instruction and we have these documents that do that. They speak respectfully and they speak about holy union. This document does nothing short of putting a pinhole in the otherwise closed and secure dam. Basically, in layman's terms, well, holy marriage, holy matrimony as marriage in the Catholic Church is abs- the absolute ideal principle. But, you know, there's some other good, true, and beautiful things about homosexual relations. No. Stop it. Nonsense. Garbage. Don't proclaim something is true in one breath and then try to slip in some trash, garbage, heretical nonsense in another breath. You're either doing it intentionally because you're an evil person or you actually believe that you're doing some good by trying to conform other Catholics worldview to the popular worldview of today. I cannot judge the author of this document. I cannot judge the Holy Father, and I cannot judge Cardinal Fernandez, but what I can judge is their words. I can judge the tree by its fruit. You knoweth the tree by the fruit it produces, Jesus Christ said. I'm not even going to go that far because he was able to do so. I cannot tell you if a person is evil or if a person is not evil if they speak half truth and half untruth. What I can tell you is this document contains errors, lies, evil, schism, and heresy. I will say it again. This document contains evil, lies, schism, and heresy. Therefore, I, as a lay member of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, call on every single lay person, every single clergy member, priest, prelate, Monsignor, Bishop, and Cardinal, to ask that this document be rescinded and or revised. I don't care what paragraph 41 says. That doesn't mean anything authoritatively to me. The only thing that's authoritative to me is the Holy Scripture, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and those that support it. If tomorrow one of our hierarchs, the Pope himself, were to turn around and say something that Satan is God, you expect me to support that? So one, someone in the same chair of St. Peter with all holy authority given to him, who I believe in fully is in the chair of Peter and in Persona Christi, in the personification of Christ, tell me that there are good, true, and beautiful things in homosexual relations And those heterosexual relationships, which are adultery, I'm to say, yes, Holy Father, no, enough, enough, just like you don't deny that your father's your father, even if he beats your mother, just like you don't deny your father's your father, even if he's an alcoholic. Just like you don't deny that your father is your father even if he's a drug addict. Just like you don't deny your father is your father if he is a closeted homosexual. Just like you don't deny your father is your father if he's a murderer. He's our father. We must love him. But at the same time, we must stand up and proclaim the truth given to us by our heavenly father. The name above all names. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all lords. When his name is spoken, our heads should bow, our knees should bend. We should not bend to some document that came out of Rome with error and schism, heresy in it. Just because a paragraph tells us, there shall be no more clarification. How dare they even put that in there? Dubia was set up for the purpose of clarifying. You think you're going to mute my speech with this document? You think you're going to mute my speech with the cancellation of YouTube? You think you're going to mute my speech with a cancellation on social media? You think you're going to mute my speech with a removal on Twitter? You think you're going to cancel my speech off of Instagram? You think you're going to cancel my speech with removing my tongue? I will drag my feet and write in blood on the sidewalk the Holy Gospel until you take out my heart. You're not going to mute me. And brothers and sisters, I hope they don't mute you. I know I'm sitting here and I'm on my pulpit and I'm preaching, but I'm trying to do one thing. I'm trying to get you fired up for the Lord. It took me many, many years of my life to get to the place where I'm at. I didn't come built this way. I had to go through many trials, tribulations, experiences, multiple sins, multiple mortal sins, many confessions, and still going through many confessions and mortal sins. I'm not just sitting up here, you know, pointing my finger at other people. I got some stuff too. We all got some stuff. But it should not be regularized and blessed. Just like I need confession and you need confession, the Holy Father and Cardinal Fernandez need confession. They need to repent of what they've written in this document, whether they know it or they don't know it. They need our love They need our prayers, they need our support, but they also need to go back to the Holy Bible and realize what is good, true, and beautiful. And the only things that are good, true, and beautiful are the words of the Bible, the tradition of the Catholic Church, the writings of the saints, the understanding of Holy Scripture, the prayers of the holy martyrs, patriarchs and confessors and holy virgins these are the things that we should lean on why are we conforming to modern society why are we changing the words sinful and adulterous to irregular what is happening here once you start playing with words Listen, this is how this is how society changes. This is how revolution happens. This is how people become from holy to sinful or from sacred to profane. This is where the devil comes in. The devil is the father of lies and of confusion. Jesus Christ said it himself. The devil was a liar from the beginning. Now, I'm not calling Pope Francis and Cardinal Fernandez a liar. <laughs> Or Satan, or anything of that nature. I leave that to other people who who may have good-hearted intentions for their brothers and sisters, Christian and Catholics, but who choose insulting as an error in their personality to point the finger at their fellow Catholics or fellow Christians. I am not here to insult anyone. I am not here to call names of anyone. I am here to call to repentance, even the Holy Father himself. I am here to call to repentance, even. Cardinal Fernandez, who are above me so high spiritually and in the eyes of God, because they've been consecrated, they've been blessed, their hands have been consecrated to confect bread and wine into the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot do that. I in no way think I can do that. But what I can do is read. What I can do is pray. What I can do is speak. What I can do is preach. And what I can do is call them to repentance. John the Baptist was not a priest nor apostle of Jesus Christ. But he called to repentance all the religious leaders of Israel and political leaders. I don't liken myself to John the Baptist or St. Elijah for whom this podcast is named. But what I can do is follow in their footsteps to call those who are called by God to lead us to get back in line. So with all charity and all humility and all respect, Holy Father, your Eminence Cardinal Fernandez, please, for the love of God, for the love of Jesus Christ, for the love of the Blessed Virgin Mary, for the love of Saint Joseph, for the love of all the angels and saints and everything in heaven, please repent of this document. Please rescind this document or at the very least, strike away the words anathema, as anathema, that things that are untrue, the things that are in error. If you are looking to please people, Holy Father, if you are looking to please people, Your Eminence Cardinal Fernandez, please turn away. Turn away from this error. Turn away from this sin and look to please the Holy One of God, bleeding and bloody beaten on the cross for us look to him look to please him look to his eyes of mercy well everyone looks at you and says good job and pats you on the back look to him does he say the same not for one or two things for everything for this particular thing my father pope francis my bishop and my cardinal and my father, Cardinal Fernandez. With all respect, as a faithful Catholic, I call you to go to confession, to repent of this document, to sin, or revise this document to be completely 100% in line with the Holy Gospel and Holy Tradition not a version of the gospel, not a version of the tradition, I call you to seek Christ, to seek Jesus as he is, to seek the words of God as it is, not a version or a twisting or an interpretation. We have 2,000 years of interpretation, all that fall in line with the Holy Gospel. Only now do we have this document and some other minor documents that have things that make us question our 2,000 years of tradition. Please, for the love of the Holy Church and Christ crucified, repent. Repent while you can. Lead us to holiness. We should not try, we as lay people should not try to be leading our prelates and our leaders to holiness. We are sheep. We are sheep. You are the shepherds. Please, I beg you, lead us to holiness. Lead us to holiness. We cannot continue as a church on this earth having leaders that are leading us into sin, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Again, I don't know the hearts of these gentlemen. I don't know the hearts of these fathers. But nonetheless, you will lead people to be scandalized you will lead people to sin if every word that comes out of your mouth every document that you produce and every action that you take is not holy you're going to sin because you're human pope john paul ii was a sinner like the rest of us every great saint was a sinner before he was a saint to be a saint doesn't mean to be perfect all your life To be a saint means to strive to absolute holiness, to be in conjunction with the Father, to have the beatific vision. We're all sinners, all people, all popes, all. but to put something out there contrary to the gospel, contrary to the Bible, to say, oh, we're going to write these other paragraphs so that you won't be scandalized. Well, we already know that information. We already know that sacred marriage is the only true uh, sexual relationship that one can have you don't need to reiterate that to us but when you introduce something new that is contrary to the sacred scriptures we must question we must then question and if not clarified in conjunction with the holy gospel we must disobey these orders these edicts we cannot sit here in good conscience and obey a man that may or not be influenced may or may not be influenced by the world I don't judge your actions. Well, I shouldn't say I don't judge your actions. I don't judge your soul, but I'm judging the actions and I'm judging the words that I see. And the words that I see in this document, at least in the third par- or third section, are not holy. They are not true. They are not beautiful. They are not Catholic. In fact, they are sinful and they are evil. Evil with nice sounding philosophical soft words, but evil nonetheless. Anything that should cause your brother to sin is a sin. That's it. Plain and simple. We, we, we could be. I could sit here all day and we can go back and forth and talk about all the good parts of this document. I, I, I just can't. I can't anymore. I can't hold my tongue. I said it once and I said it again. I love the Holy Father. I love Cardinal Fernandez. I love all our bishops and our prelates. But what I don't love is I don't love the actions that they do. I don't love the sins that they commit. I don't love that the documents that they write that are out of line with the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. These men have a very special place in the church. It is up to them to live a Christ-like life. It is up to them to lead the flock to holiness. It is up to them to call out sin where they see it. It is up to them to be representations of Christ on earth. It is not up to them to make everyone feel good it is not up to them to make everyone feel like their sin of the week is welcome. It is not up to them to run bingo night. It is not up to them to run pancake breakfast. It's not up to them to collect cards at Christmas. Thank you, Father. We love you, Father. It is not up to them to get accolades. It's up to them to go to abortion mills with rosary and pray on their knees and say, enough murder of babies. It is up to them to carry the cross. It is up to them to be killed and martyred if necessary. It is up to them to lead us to be holy. I don't look to my priest to be a nice guy, to play basketball with me, to to pat the kids on the head. All those things are great. I look to the priest to be a man, to be a man like Jesus was, compassionate, yet fierce in his belief of the Father and the proclamation of the commandments, if you cannot do that, if you're nice, nice all the time, but you never admonish any sin or any sinner, even privately, I mean, we're not sitting up here and you're going to point out people's sins in the congregation on Sunday Mass. But if someone comes up to you and you clearly know they're sinning, as a father, you're supposed to say, hey, John, listen, look, I know you're living with Susie. You come to Mass every week. That's great. I know you're living with Susie. I know she's your girlfriend and everything. It's not right, brother. You got to get right with the Lord. Let me help you. What can we do to help you? That's what you're called to do as a priest. Not keep collecting John and Susie's money because they put it in every Sunday. And you call them good and faithful Catholics. Again, we're not judging them. But what you're called to do is make them better. How do you make them better? To privately confer with them when the opportunity presents itself. You're not jumping in line with, with what the world says have gay masses because you have a gay congregation. If you have a gay congregation, guess what? You've been blessed. People are like, George, are you insane? What are you saying? You have been blessed with an opportunity to convert souls to Christ. It would be a blessing to have a complete 100% congregation of gay men and women. You have an opportunity that Jesus Christ has presented you in your lap to convert every single man and woman away from sin. You have a blessing and an opportunity. But instead, what happens? The priest, if he's weak, changes the agenda of the church, changes the masses of the church, changes the doctrine of the church into LGBT pride mass, affirming our children mass, support mass, this mass, that mass. Mass is mass. We don't need themes, whether it's a child's mass or a firefighter's mass or any other mass. We don't need any other mass except mass. But what frequently happens is when you have a congregation of a certain mindset, a certain bent, a certain... Political philosophy or social understanding, the, the priest feeling the pressure of all these individuals who are going to support him financially and socially and, frankly, do work in the church, starts to conform whatever he knows to be good and true and beautiful into some version of it. So, yeah, is he still saying Mass? Yeah. Is the Mass still valid? Yeah. Is Jesus Christ still there in the, in the Holy Sacrament of the Eucharist? Absolutely. But what is he doing? Now he's theming it gay. He's got a rainbow st- stall on. He's got rainbow flags in the church. Or he's saying uh, our brothers and sisters come up for blessings. It's nonsense. It's not just with the LGBTQ plus whatever community. You 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 cannot change holy scriptures to bend to a, a specific society. Mass is mass. Sin is sin. Just like in Mexico, I'll pick on these people now. There's certain masses where they have indigenous dancing, shirtless men and women in bikini-clad traditional costumes of, of the Inca and the Aztec. I will say it here. A modesty is immodesty. If your body is not covered in church, I do not care what your culture was prior to you becoming a Christian. It is sinful. Those dances, those scantily clad men and women, no matter what intention they have in their heart, are committing sin of immodesty by not being clothed in front of the blessed sacrament. You cannot have a mass by a swimming pool with people in bikinis and shorts and shirtless priests, and I've seen it all. Your culture, your society, your country does not dictate how the mass should go. God dictates how the Mass should go. And those countries, societies, political unions, cultures, or whatever else should conform to a Holy Mass. Period. There should be no Mexican, Aztec version of the Mass. There should be no uh, African version of the Mass. That's another one. You see people in Africa liturgically clapping and dancing. This has no place in Catholic Mass. We are not to set our eyes on the performers who believe they are worshiping, with all good intention probably, I'm, I'm sure they do, with all good intention, worshiping God. We should not put our eyes on the choir who's now in the front of the church. The choir was put in the back of the church for the reason they're not there for entertainment. They're there to glorify God. We're there to hear their voices as angelic voices that glorify the unseen God. Therefore, we don't need to see them. The only person we need to see and put our eyes on is the priest who is, once again, in persona Christi, in the personification of Christ, in the person of Christ, in the place of Christ. He is who we should have our eyes on. I should have my eyes fixed on the cross, above the the altar, on the Holy Eucharist, in the priest's hand. And on the priest himself, There's where my eyes should be fixed. Not on, now they've moved the, in some Catholic churches, they've moved the, the choir down to the front of the church and people look at them while the priest is doing whatever he's doing and their entertainment. And then you have the lector uh, who's moving her hands up and down. Our responsorial psalm is now, we don't need that. It's all, it's garbage. We don't need it. Your eyes should be focused on Christ. Your mentality should be focused on Christ, whether you're in Mass or outside of Mass. Our eyes should not be fixed on society. Our eyes should not be fixed on this document that came out of the Vatican. And our eyes shouldn't be fixed on anyone else except Christ. If anything takes your attention away from Jesus Christ, the Holy Scriptures, and the traditions of the Catholic Church, it is not good for you. Nothing should capture your mind, heart, body, and soul the way Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, should. And anyone that says they're trying to do the business of the Lord but yet do it in a manner that's against or butts up against or is contrary to the traditions of the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church are doing something wrong regardless of their intention. Your intention need not matter here. So I want to conclude, my brothers and sisters, I want to thank you for listening once again. I want to thank you for your prayers, and I want to thank you for continuing to spread the Holy Gospel and to spread this podcast near and wide. I really appreciate, I really, really appreciate everything that you guys are doing As far as prayer is concerned, this podcast doesn't need your financial support. This podcast does not need your moral support. This podcast doesn't need anything except your prayers, your prayers, and passing in this along. And I would appreciate if you would all write to me, whether you detract from this podcast or agree with it. I'm here to write back, I'm here to communicate. Um, and if any of you would have a a dissenting opinion and would like to discuss it on the podcast, we can even, we could even have that, um, friendly debate or conversation. It doesn't have to be a debate. It could be in the in the, um, context of conversation. I promise I won't get up on my pulpit, my evangelist pulpit and, uh, preach to you. I will, will take the position of a researcher and an analyst and, um, combat you with words, but with very, very sensible tone, um, in that you would find in work or amongst family. We will not have the, the pulpit. The, the preaching is to get to the masses and to inspire you to do the same. But if you wish to talk to me on this podcast or be interviewed, please write to me. Um, you'll have the information shortly. Our producer provides that at the end of this podcast. I just want to take an opportunity to thank the people in the following countries, or I should say the the people who are listening around the world. Um, we have listeners Thanks be to God, in the United States, Australia, Belgium, Thailand, Ireland, France, Ghana, India, uh, New Zealand, and other places associated uh, with these, these locations. Again, these are just the top countries um, that listen to this podcast. United States, Australia, Belgium, Thailand, Ireland, France, Ghana, India, New Zealand, in that order. Um, I want to thank you guys for your support. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your prayers. Please continue to pray for me and my family to get out of all the situations that we find ourselves in, um, so that we could be glorified in front of God and that we can have some comfort here on the earth, if it be God's will. And pray that this podcast reach everyone far and wide. And again, contact me even if you disagree with me. Um, this is not this is not the purpose of making myself money. This podcast doesn't have the purpose of making myself fame. We don't have that many listeners, but the ones that we do are faithful. And I want to thank you again. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we pray that this podcast has been an inspiration to at least one person across the world, and that they will go out and zealously preach the gospel. That they will zealously go and take their Bible and read and pray on their knees for the holiness of our Holy Father, Pope Francis and Cardinal Fernandez, and all the other prelates that lead our church. We hope, Lord, and we pray that my voice has been an inspiration to at least one member of this podcast community, to this listening community, so that they would inspire their brother, their sister, their father, their mother, their son, their daughter, their friend, their relative, and even their enemy, Lord, to be converted out of sin and into the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith according to the tradition of the apostles of 2,000 years. We pray, Lord, that our our voices collectively will rise up and proclaim your kingdom. You alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Most High. You alone are the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, please help us to be fearless in our proclamation of your gospel. Please help us to be fearless in standing up against evil, against heresy, against anything that would detract from our eyes on you on the cross and you rising from the dead and you ascending into heaven. It is you, Lord, who have given us the completion and the fulfillment of the scriptures. You were the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of and the end. Beside you, there is nothing. Without you... There is nothing. We ask, Lord, that in some small way we helped to gain for your kingdom at least one more follower to be baptized in your holy name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My brothers and my sisters, it's been my pleasure and my honor to be with you. Thank you once again from the bottom of my heart. Till the next time, I will pray for you. Please pray for me. Christ is King. Ave Maria. questions, comments, or concerns, please contact us at editor at steliasmedia.com. Also, please visit our website at steliasmedia.com, where you will find updated articles and additional resources. The St. Elias Report is hosted by George Anthony. It is produced by Vic Hermanson. Our technical director is David Griffith. The St. Elias Report is owned and operated by St. Elias Media and is a Masabaki Brothers production.